0: Aliens and flying saucers This is all an illusion Hey, Jojo Townsell, and welcome to the 95th episode of Two Riders Singing Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, and the author of multiple New York Times bestsellers. The music you're listening to is Croissants from the great MC White Owl, and this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from sports writing to screenwriting to erotica to self-help to song lyrics to whatever genre I'm thinking of. And this week truly is a unique one. I was invited by the good folks at Ohio University's journalism department to fly out to lovely Athens, Ohio and Sling Yang before a live audience. So that's what I did. And my guest, also flown out, was none other than Dan Wetzel, the Yahoo Sports national columnist and a guy with a gilded pen. So we spent a solid 90 minutes shooting the shit as if we were in one of our living rooms. It was all about how to enter the business, how to get people to open up, the power of the smallest details. I really love this one, and I hope you do too. Right now, on a live, two riders, slinging the egg. (laughs) <laughs> uh, can everyone hear? First of all, I just want to say, so uh, the podcast, which I run every week, is called Two Rider Slinging Yang. And I was told, when I started it, I was told very early on by someone who wanted to promote it, they are like, you can't call it Two Rider Slinging Yang. I'm like, why? I like, nobody's going to know what Slinging Yang means. Does anyone know what Slinging Yang means? It's like an old, it doesn't mean talking shit. And, because uh, they wanted to be like writing with Jeff Perlman. And I'm like, no. So I didn't know what I meant either. Yeah, two writers slinging me in. So, um, first of all, thanks for doing it. And, uh, it's very really awesome to be here.
1: I'm glad that someone's getting some credit. Like you guys must be mandatory attendance, right?
0: Otherwise, what
1: the right. hell what are, you are you doing? out of here! Yeah, here. go <laughs> away. Uh, so, good job, full credit. Yeah.
0: So basically, the podcast I run it every week, and it's, it's talking with a different writer. But i was thinking, since we're here in a college audience, it's the first time I've ever done this podcast live. I texted Dan earlier. So Dan and I graduated from college the same year. He graduated from UMass. I graduated from the University of Delaware, 1994. Things you wish you knew when you were coming out of college as a college journalist. And I asked you for four. Do you have four in your head? We, we can go, back go first. We might as well be useful for you guys. And uh, the number one thing that I always think to myself, because I was not this way when I was in college, is that uh, someone else's success does not impact your success. So when someone else is doing well, someone's getting an internship, someone's getting a job and your initial instinct is, you know, fuck that person or whatever, you know, just to be blunt, screw that person, but Like at some point you need to learn to get past that. Dan having success as a columnist at Yahoo does not impact what I do in my life. And I feel like too many people go through this world feeling like someone else's success takes away from theirs and it doesn't. And the quicker you can learn that that is not the case, the better off you will be. What do you got
1: all right i'm going with uh it does not matter where you go to school to a point um probably like a tractor trailer driving school wouldn't help you but um there's a lot of uh super fancy journalism schools there's ivy leagues there's this there's that there's this person got this internship this fellowship all of that uh eventually none of that matters no one's going to ask you where you went to school after the age of like 24 It is a business built on your ability to tell stories and get information across. If you can do that uh, and you will learn and get better at doing that by actually doing it, uh, it does not matter where you go. So, Not be intimidated uh, by someone who went to some fancier school and also do not feel like you got it made because you're at such a great school like Ohio and this
0: whole program. So yeah. it is about doing the job every single day. I was going to say, uh, there's always an assumption that other people know better than you do. <clears> like someone will say, you'll have your resume. And they'll say, no, you can't do it that way. You need to do it this way. Your resume shouldn't be this number of pages. It should be that. Never start a lead with but. I'm sure you guys, have, a lot of you have heard that. Never start a lead with but. Never start a sentence with but. Don't start a sentence with and. Uh, you can't have a fragment as a sentence. You're always going to have people tell you, And there's an instinct, especially when you're younger, to believe that someone knows more than you do because they're telling you in an authoritative voice. And something that really is helpful to learn is to trust your own instincts and trust your own judgment and live and die with your own judgment uh, instead of always deferring to someone else. I think most of the successful journalists I've come across, they trust themselves and you trust your instincts. And sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes it's going to work out. But there's no reason to believe that the person sitting next to you in this room right now knows more about what you should do than you do.
1: I think all um all of journalism can be boiled down to uh pretty much this uh get it right and make me see it make the reader the viewer whatever see it uh you have to be accurate first part of accuracy is fairness sometimes especially in today's world we have accurate technically like Political TV ads are technically accurate, but then like my ten-year-old's like does that guy running for governor really want us to all go homeless and Kill us all with like poisoned water. No, it's not quite like that Um, But get it right and then make me see it show me what is happening Uh, take me to what you're seeing Uh, And and I've, I've done all types of storytelling You know columns obviously news stories investigative stories. I've also done documentaries movies books whatever get the person there so they they feel like they're at whatever you're trying to describe uh and if you can do those two things in in every story uh or every project you do uh you're all set and so at the end or the beginning of every single thing you're doing say it, i get it right and i make these people
0: see it that's a good
1: one. they used to say it's worse those days,
0: show me don't tell me don't right. yeah. okay. Or we always say or I always say like to my class where I teach out in California, it's not just a soda, right? He's not just drinking a soda. He's drinking a diet Pepsi. The label's peeled. It's three-quarters empty. There's some perspiration on the bottle, right? Show me. Jeff, Jeff wrote a book
1: about uh, this always stands out about it. he did a book on Walter Payton, the uh, star running back. And there's a part Jeff's is about like saturation reporting. It's insane the details he finds and he had this part of the book where Walter and his buddy in like high school they uh, go and like they have a couple girls are going to go meet them out and like hang out in the woods this is the first time Walter had his first kiss or something mm-hmm. like bizarre he's even got this story and he knew the type of I can still remember this tell me if I got it right the type of beer they had a six pack they had All scrounged staff. Falstaff beer right <laughs> and I it's still I, I did not know you'd, you'd bring that up but it's like like you can envision like these two high school kids with six pack of beer in the wood cheap fall staff beer and you can see the whole scene and it's just one that might have been one paragraph of you know 300 something page book that has nothing to do with whether he was a good running back um, but it was just a great story so okay. yeah show show it.
0: Yeah. Fall staff beer. Fall staff didn't know beer. It existed right. Um, actually I'm going to ask I'm something. It. I'm doing good. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, was cheap. It. Yeah, yeah, it's cheap. cheap. Along those lines this is like um Always make the extra call. It's really interesting. I hear a lot of nowadays people will say like, um, how do I stand out as a modern journalist? How do you teach young journalists to be journalists? How many of you guys want to be journalists or are interested in journalism? That's a good number. Okay. I swear to God, I think this is the best advice I can give you and I really need it. Everyone says like, how do you advise young journalists to be journalists? And people say, well, they really need to be on social media, right? You hear that shit all the time. You need to be on social media, which is true. But you need to need, tweet efficiently. Blah, 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 all this stuff. You want to make yourself stand out, freaking make the extra call, and then make the extra call, and then make the extra call, and then make the extra call. There's a writer, kind of taking her under my wing. She writes for Bleach Report named Mirren Fader. She had a story out today about a college basketball player. You read the lead, and it's all about this guy, the hate he got when he was in high school. And she must have called. I don't even know how many people she called. But you fill it with details, and if you read a lot of writing out there right now, because everyone wants stuff so quick, it's so soft. And it's light on details. And if you want to stand out, it's the same thing they were telling us in 1994. But I think it's more true now than ever before. Because most of you are – there are always going to be better writers. There's better writers than Dan. There's better writers than me. There's better – maybe not than you. But there's better writers than all of you guys. There are better writers. Mm-hmm. But you can bust ass more than anyone else. Like that is your secret. That is the thing you have that no one else has. So always make the extra call. They can't play,
1: they can't play defense against you. Like Nobody can stop you from writing a better story than them, right? Right. Nobody can stop you. So get that, find out what kind of beer, Yeah. find out what kind of, and you have to ask questions and you have to ask questions that people are going to go, why would you ask me that? I've had so many of that. Oh, yeah. Why would you ask me that question? And it's like, well, that's because that part to me is interesting. Don't worry.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you find, you find things out. It is fascinating how you'll be like,
0: someone will be talking around, right? i telling you a story. And they'll be like, yeah, you know, me and my brother, well, we drove our car down. And you're like, wait, can I just ask real quick, what kind of car is it? What kind of car is it? Yeah, well, what kind, you know, you Why does you know, it matter? Why does it right. matter? It just matters.
1: But then he goes, oh, and that thing stalled out every time you went up, you know. Yeah, then you got some story and people can get it. Yeah, that's good. All Make right, well, them see it. You got a fourth. That's, I, I only, I'm only two in. Oh yeah, got there. Them, yeah. oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. All right, this one... Okay, you want to be... I want to be a writer, right? But the number one thing to me that I have that helps me as a writer is uh, concentration. I am really good at concentrating. And I think it is the best skill, I mean, other than the basic literacy, <laughs> but the ability of concentration is huge because you have to focus uh, just intently on whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to say, what message you're trying to send, what you're trying to, and, and if you can focus and, and concentrate, and it's a hard skill, especially every day it gets harder and harder and harder, right? Because you got phones and a million things going on. But if you can concentrate, you can write really good stories pretty quickly. Um, it's, 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 I always say it takes a long time to write a bad story. It, it doesn't take that long to write something good when you're dialed in. So figure out how you get dialed in. And, and anybody's ever written knows that. And if, you know, if you can do it, you can do it. And then you just have to get over writer's, writer's block. You're going to be a professional writer. You can't have writer's block. The guy, there's no <laughs> roofer's block. He just goes up there and puts the roof on. How do you know there's no <laughs> <laughs> I did roof a little bit. <laughs> you're fired. You're no longer a roofer. Wait, where do you write?
0: You. I'll write anywhere. I don't care. Like if you're home and you're writing, do you write in your, uh, your kitchen yeah. table? Or you're yeah. Off? You do? Yeah. Telefonics.
1: I'm fine anywhere. But if you have to figure out how to totally focus that's that's the best thing i got i don't know how to tell you to do that but that's certainly something i never would have thought was a skill that i needed
0: yeah that's good uh my fourth and last one i might have said this when i was here last year because it's a big thing for me you guys are all college how many of you write for the student newspaper anyone Okay. Or whatever you write but That's good. I mean, this is really encouraging, I got to say. Like, yeah. the amount of people, even if you're forced to be here, who you like, Let's pretend they are. Yeah. All the people who chose to be here. Um, you guys should be overriding right now. Like, you should be overriding. If you are covering, let's just say hypothetically, Ohio University uh, women's lacrosse, and your lead to your story is the Ohio University women's lacrosse team lost 7-4 to four, uh, today to whoever, you should have your hands cut off. You are in this insanely gifted position to just take a stab at it. So like it almost combines a lot of what we've said, like show me the, the, the blood trickling down her temple, right? Show me like her limping off the field in defeat. Focus on the goaltender's sense of pride, whatever. Like there are a million ways to write these stories. There's no excuse, especially when you're a college journalist and you're coming up and you're trying to show potential employers like why you can do this to rein it in like use every adjective you want throw out crazy comparisons, like just go for it and as you progress in your career you'll learn to rein it in like right now you should be experimenting you should be trying different things like this is your time to do it um when you're young and like peppy and and just feeling it so go all out you know totally go all out that's my fourth my fourth is, is it's a people it's a people business you
1: have to be able to connect with whoever you're Interviewing, um, and the great part of this job is you will get to meet fascinating people or just everyday people. Usually under some extraordinary situation, or they're doing something, or there's a house fire or whatever it is, uh, and you will meet every single type of person in the world. You you'll read billionaires and the poorest people and every every type of personality and every age and everything and you have to figure out how to connect with all those different people and and it could be uh different people at this exact same time you know so you're covering a house fire and there's some someone in tumult and you're trying to talk to them and then you've got this grizzled fire chief and you got and, and you have to do all that stuff it is the best part of the job but at the at the end of the day, that's what the job is. How are you a people person? How can you how can you be a salesman? How can you be a chameleon? How can you deal with all these different people?
0: Because you never know what you're getting every day, and that is what I think is is so that's much good. fun. You know what's interesting? I, just before I get in it, like um, I had a I had a guy in my podcast last week, a really good writer for Bleacher Report, young African American writer, and we were talking about whether he is at an advantage when it comes to interviewing a young African-American athlete? Just like, would I be an advantage interviewing a Jewish guy in his 40s from New York? You know, like, does that give you an advantage? And I think on the surface, it does. Like, you would think at first, yeah, oh, he's a Jewish guy in New York, another Jewish guy here. I think the, the thing that breaks it all down, though, and conquers that all is genuine curiosity. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm genuinely interested in your story, and I want to hear it, and I've done my research, you really tell it. I just think you will talk to me generally right. if I show that I'm – don't you think like, yeah, there's yeah. something to that?
1: Yeah, people want competency. They want the story uh, told correctly or at least how they perceive it or you just – I don't know. I, I think it helps, but if you only inter- if you, you could get a job where only interviewed 40-year-old Jewish guys, like what, what, what would you be covering? Yeah. <laughs> <Jellies> in <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. deli the owners big deli, deli owners in brooklyn <laughs> or something good. i don't know like you, you just so whatever you got you have to find you have to figure out a way yeah so um you guys have a, a,
0: they made some copies you don't have it that's okay you wrote it um i like i really do like breaking down stories and kind of talk about them a little bit um you wrote a column or piece tom brady and post game days of disappointment after another super bowl loss to the giants can I get one? Uh, can you get one? Yeah, oh, there should be yeah. one right over there. We grab oh, Look, look at that. The surface so here is insane. I guess I could carry my little thing over. A... You guys know we each got five hundred thousand to <laughs> appear. <laughs>
1: sorry about that tuition rate. Yeah,
0: did anyone? By the way, <laughs> did any of your parents pay five hundred thousand to get you in here? As a, as a member of the crew team? <laughs> right, anyone?
1: Come clean now. We're gonna
0: find you. So, just, I feel like my life is worse for knowing the name Olivia Jade. I feel like everything, it's all like been downhill. I like, and you know what's sad? I'm kind of obsessed over the story. Not about, like, what happens to Olivia Jade now? Like, do all her Instagram followers leave? Like, no. to see.
1: Hey, more famous. Wait. More famous.
0: Anyone, all right, truth serum. Did anyone here was anyone here an Instagram follower of Olivia Jade? Raise your hand. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Are you, do you still now, will you continue to follow her? <laughs> like what happened to her? I don't know. So if she pushes
1: uh, Sephora, do you no longer you boycott it or does it encourage
0: you or they dropped her. They dropped oh, her. They, dropped, they, her. Dropped, they her. dropped her. Were you disappointed by that?
1: I didn't know her <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's funny, we grew up watching Full House. I mean that was like even we were a little old for that. Yeah, Full House. Uncle Jesse. Alright, anyway. Uh, Tom Brady, so the leap this story uh you wrote out this is after the Patriots uh, lost to the New York Giants in the Super Bowl again because lost him a few years before. Yeah. I thought it was great, freaking great. Tom Brady sat facing his locker, his head down and draped in a white towel, staring at the space between his cleats. He was in full uniform, he was in full thought. There were the plays that hadn't been made. There were the opportunities not seized. There was a Super Bowl that had slipped away, 21-17 to New York Giants. Again, the Giants, again. It was 10.04 p.m. Hold on. The minutes tick by and Brady didn't move. Across the Patriots locker room, there was dejection and depression, hushed whispers and 1,000 yard stares. This is the pain of almost having everything. This is the hurt of winding up with nothing. All the money these guys make, all the glory they receive, it does nothing in times like this. The losing locker room after the biggest of games. First of all, it's freaking great. But like, I'm actually fascinated. I've never covered a Super Bowl before You've probably cover a bunch of Super Bowls, correct? Yeah. I always hated covering big events. Like I was a baseball writer at SI. We covered the World Series. I hated the World Series. Because of the massive number of people. It's really hard to get anything unique. It's hard to see anything a million other people don't see. So you go into this locker room, Patriots are lost. Like, what are you looking for and how do you find it? Um, all right, so
1: this Super Bowl, I don't know how many Patriots historians we have here. The, the Patriots had lost, the they had the 18-0 and 0 season and they blew the Super Bowl to the Giants. And that was crushing, right, because they got to have had the perfect season. Then they come back two years later and they lose again. And at that point, these guys only had three Super Bowls. Still a lot, but only. But it had been like ten years, and everyone was like, "Patriots cheat, Patriots can't do it, all this stuff." So they they were all dejected. So I was like, "The most interesting guys are going to be Brady and Belichick," and I went with. I I don't mind writing the loser. I write like the running quick um, game story off the Super Bowl. Uh, So you file that like you want it to go literally one second after the Super Bowl ends, ideally. Uh, Sometimes you can do that. If it's a blowout, sometimes you can't. Uh, Like this game went to the final play. But then I'm looking for a column. So um, I I like writing the loser a lot in sports. Wait, why is that? uh, Just the raw emotion. It's this. It it can be more interesting when you lose. Sometimes you know games because of who lost. I mean, look at like, uh, we're going to date ourselves, but like that 86, uh, (laughs) the 86, what is it, World Series, like, Uh The ball goes through Bill Buckner's legs. Nobody cares about the guy who scored the run. Everyone, what did Buckner say? Like, if you covered that game, you're like, well, what did Bill Buckner say after the game? I don't know. I didn't talk to him. Like, no, you want to talk to the lo-. So sometimes the loser's it. So plus Brady's super famous and all that. So on this one, all right, so like make me see it, right? Like this is way better than being like the Patriots locker room was depressed, Okay, got that. Right. They just lost the Super Bowl. Of course, he's going to be depressed. This is depressed, the right? There he was. He can't even look up. Um, I went in. I go. I see Brady like that. He's worse shaped than the other guys. And he's so I just am watching him. I have no idea I'm going to write this column at this point. And just as a, uh, a kind of a trick, I write down the time all the time. So it's like – He's got his head under a towel, I see, at 10.04. Because he may have the head under a towel for five minutes. He might have it under three. How do I know? And so at 10.09, I'm going to write, he takes the top. Now, I don't know how I'm going to put that in the story. That's the only time I ever put it in the story. But So I always write time down, like how long was he in the locker room, 30 minutes. So just a, tr- a little trick. Um, so anyway, that, that that's for that. I was just kind of looking to see what would happen. I don't know. I thought he'd say something. I did not know at the time. That I would write almost exclusively here about Brady. And I actually was looking for Belichick, too, at that point. But but I, see, I'll tell you this. I love the Super Bowl.
0: Why? Because
1: all the people are there. And it's like a competition. Uh, you so, like that? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to write a better story than you. And you can't stop. You can't stop me. And sometimes you don't. A
0: lot of times you don't. But it's, that's the part that's fun. You know what's funny? True story real quick. I, um, I used to be a baseball writer at Sports Illustrated. In 2001, the Yankees played the Diamondbacks in the World Series before you guys were born. And Just kidding. And uh, it was game two of the World Series. I think it was game two at Yankee Stadium. And I was there, and my stomach started cramping up really bad. And I had to leave. And it was okay. It wasn't deadline night. And uh, I went home, and I missed one of the greatest World Series games of all time. I think Jeter hit a home run in extra innings, either Jeter or Grosis. And I was on my girlfriend, now wife's, couch watching the game and I was so happy not to be at the game because I didn't want to deal with the crowds, I didn't want to deal with the camera hitting me in the head, the cliche questions trying to get two words from Jeter and that was a moment when I knew I shouldn't be covering baseball and I actually stopped shortly after,
1: but you like it. I like it, I like the big event, just I like the, the, it's like, I don't know, it's just the competition. It's, It's harmless, like you're not really winning. Like if five people write good stories, great.
0: So how do you go about, like, you go to but a Super But you just try Bowl.
1: to write a good story. But what are you looking for at
0: a Super Bowl? Like, what do you...
1: Whatever I think is going to be most interesting to the readers. So, what's it? Like, what... What? Like, this story was pretty popular with the readers because it was, like, a window into Tom Brady. That, that, I have another kind of theory, like... Uh, well, it's, like, make you see it, but, like, use your access. Like, I'm there. Sh- I, or, or it's... it's uh, I know it is. It's write about people who are on television when they're not on television. Oh, that's really good. Okay. So write about famous people, but when they're not when the people can't see it. And what are they really like? That's what everyone always asks. First thing, have you ever met a famous person? Yeah, like, oh, I met this guy, you know, I saw so and so at a supermarket. What was he like, right? They want to know. So uh so that's sort of part of that. So you have access as a reporter. It, no matter what uh is everyone here in this the people are in the news right sports news whatever like because i covered news too like whatever you have just show them when they're you know what what the governor say after the meeting or what how did he get in his car was he you know it, the, the, the they're trying to give you the super bowl like 100 million people watch the game i can't tell them anything about having on the field that they don't already know probably better than me I don't actually know very much about football. I don't even know all the players on the field. They have HD TV. they're watching, right? They know all this stuff, and I, they, they know what happened in the game better than me. So what can I do? Well, I can show them what happened in the locker room, or I can show just all the other stuff that goes into things. And so that's, that's what I try to do. So that's part of that. So
0: it's a famous person doing something away from the camera. It's funny, I was actually thinking when I was, when I was walking to meet uh, two of the guys before two sports guys here, I was thinking, mm-hmm. Everyone has this moment, right? So I'm, you know, I'm speaking tonight. I'm a sports journalist. I've written some books, right? I'm walking to meet these two college kids, who are sports writers, and I'm thinking, like, all right, so am I supposed to come off a certain way? Like, like am I supposed to come off as like the competent sports writer? Am I? Do they have some expectations of me, right? And I was thinking, like, in a way, it's a journalist's job to capture who Nicki Minaj is five minutes before she's going on stage, right? who you know what I mean like kind of like you said right. who is Tom Brady when he's not performing for you who is Donald Trump when he's not standing in front of people like that is that? that's kind of so what it is you, right? wouldn't
1: you rather have if somebody wrote about a concert they go to say whatever Beyonce concert would you rather know what she did how she acted after the show in right. the locker room or you have a rundown of all the, the songs she played like well, I I assume she played all her popular songs and she danced really well and sang them well and it was a big. There was lights and all that. I got I got that. But what was she like in an hour after? That's that'd be an amazing story. Now they don't let you <laughs> in entertainment cover that, but sometimes they do. Yeah. That would be fascinating. So that's partially on this. What what's Brady? I mean, there's some pretty wild stuff. I think Katy Perry's in this, isn't she? At some point. Anybody read the whole thing? Nobody uh, did the whole thing. Yeah, Katy Perry shows up at the end. It's oh, yeah, Katy Perry. Yeah, Katy Perry came down at the end to try to say hi, and he he and Giselle brushed, a, brushed Katy Perry aside. That Perry made TMZ.
0: Ba- Katie- TMZ aggregated that. It was pretty funny. Katy <laughs> Perry came bouncing by and tried to catch their attention. They either didn't notice or simply chose to ignore her. <laughs> Giselle climbed on board. Brady followed. They took seats. All right, this is great. They took seats 35 and 36, and through the big side windows as clear as can be, Tom Brady hung his head, and press it up against the back of the seat in front of him. Okay, so you're watching them get on the bus. Yeah, I watched. I
1: followed them the whole way, mm. from the moment the locker room opened. Like, I don't know. There's some parts in here. Giselle comes in. This is pretty funny, actually. I don't know. Giselle came by and yelled at them, and there were all these cameras. There's
0: almost no quotes. Yeah. I remember that. And then it's just all the time. I don't know. Well, the funny thing is, you almost dismissed. You wrote. Brady took the podium, a crowd of 12 to 15 deep, wedged in awe around him. Cameras and recorders, to catch his voice. First, I'd like to give the Giants a lot of credit, he said. They certainly made the plays when they needed. And basically what you're saying without saying it is, you're not going to give a shit about this, but here's what he said real quick. Right. Almost a, almost like a compare and contrast between what's happening away from it, which is interesting, versus the boring part, which is right. him talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the – and I think like you see it in – um
1: um. I don't know. Like, you're not there. We we have another saying at Yahoo too: uh, "Write what you see, not what you're assigned." Now, I wouldn't take that too literally on your first first job. <laughs> but,
0: That's a good one. That's a good line. But
1: like, they want you to cover. Like, it's easy to cover a game. They they have a huge scoreboard. They tell you who's winning, right? They they want you to do that. If you cover politics. They want you to. They want you to write about what got said in the speech, not what happened somewhere else. But You'll find way more about some guy reading off a teleprompter doesn't really tell you a whole lot or city council only wants this covered or all of that. Cover all the other stuff. Uh, you know, the NCA wants just look at how great March Madness is. They don't want to think about how, uh, you know, how the scholarships work. How do these, you know, what kind of scandals are there? Should these guys get a cut of the money? All the different things. So part of it's like, what do you see when you're there? Don't worry about oh, we know Tom Brady is going to be polite. Right. We know he's going to be gracious. And if that's all you see, you just see this guy who got it together for five minutes. And the rest of the time, he's, uh, he's kind of devastated.
0: That's yeah, good. I actually, um, I read a book about the Dallas Cowboys and Michael Irvin was inducted into the Hall of Fame. My greatest moment in that book was the last chapter. And it's because I snuck into Michael Irvin's Hall of Fame party. I literally climbed under a tent on the Hall of Fame grounds when nobody was looking. And whenever the security guards in this tent would come this way, I would go that way. And I have my final scene of the book is Michael Irvin dancing with his wife. To the Pointer Sisters, you know, like, because yeah. I snuck in, yeah, like, don't be afraid to
1: sneak in. Don't be afraid to... Keep going until they... He... I'm not kidding.
0: No, no, right? keep
1: walking until they tell you to leave. Then leave, but always keep going. Wait, you know what's so funny? Don't fight them
0: once you're... Because you know you're wrong. I don't know if you've had but guys like that. Until they catch you, you're like, oh, what? Here's two things. All right, <laughs> I always say, I wrote a book about Barry... You guys know Barry Bonds, yeah. a former San Francisco guy. Okay. I was covering Barry Bonds because I was writing a book about him and I was at Sports Illustrated. Barry Bonds did something, and Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, does this too. They walk like they belong. Like Barry Bonds, I've never seen anything like you. He was the first guy I saw like this. I'm sure you've covered athletes like this. Nobody ever stopped him from being an asshole, and he was the biggest asshole I've ever covered in my life because he just walked through it. He walked through every norm. The Giants, in the Giants, you were given one locker if you were young and two if you were a veteran. Barry Bonds had four. The Giants had a couple of Team Masseuse guys to rub him down. Barry Bonds brought his own in. The the Giants had a team of PR people. Barry Bonds Bonds had two of his own, who just came, everyone, he had his own videographer. They all just came in the locker room. And it wasn't like Bonds, he would never check with the Giants to make sure if it was okay. He just did it. He just walked through. So as a writer, you're not supposed to ask that. Don't, the, the, the sports, they're gonna hate me here, but the sports information director tells you, you can't call the player, right? You can't call the running back. You have to go through us. Well, try calling one time and see what happens. Like I say, just walk right through. Yeah, or just like
1: I I covered um I think it was the it was a Floyd May I think it was Floyd Mayweather yes Mayweather McGregor fight <laughs> a couple summers ago. So um, I've covered a lot of both of those guys, and so I know Mayweather a little bit, and uh, he's a real uh, character. <laughs> Um, classy classy but he was uh so he opened uh you'd be stunned to know he opened his own gentleman's club in vegas uh floyd mayweather has his own he's branching out into other businesses and uh so he's he's kind of hyping this this gentleman's club that he's got and he's saying he's going every night after training and he hangs out there so i just go all right i'm gonna go and find him at the thing at like two in the morning so i walk in and now he's not expecting to do media at the uh, at the gentleman's club, um, it, I'm using that term loosely too. It's a, quite a spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no gentleman to be found. Right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's legal. I don't know, right. it's a business. Um, <laughs> it's an honest living. And he's like, he's like, what you know? What are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing here? And I'm and 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 so in, we sit down and he talks to me there. And I had way better quotes and crazy scene and all of that from this than this press this highly orchestrated press conference wow. and it's just a totally different deal because you just show up where you're not supposed to show up right and it's like hey
0: it's, you know anyone can walk in i'm just, you know here to have a soda i know what you say like and it's important for you guys to know like i don't know about you maybe you're totally different like i still find that stuff intimidating like my wife said to me recently she's like you're never afraid to ask questions never afraid like i, I knocked on, i've knocked on a lot of doors cold calling people knocking. Yeah, do it's intimidating. It isn't, I did, um, I'm working on a book now. There was a basketball player named J.R. Ryder. Anyone ever hear J.R. Ryder? Right, J.R. Ryder played in the NBA for a long time. And he was kind of crazy. This entire podcast should be called, anyone here? Anyone, I know, <laughs> anyone here? <laughs> Hall and Oates, anyone here? Uh, here hear Hall and Oates? Man-eater? come on. Anyway, um, J.R. Ryder was like this basketball player. He's a hothead. And I wanted to talk to him. And I didn't have a phone number for him. I had a phone number for him and he didn't re- reply. And he lives in Arizona, and I just happened to be in Arizona. And I was like, I'm going to go to J.R. Ryder's house, and I'm going to knock on his door. Okay, This is a couple months ago. I drive out to J.R. Ryder's ambitious, house. Ambitious. I knock on the door. It was 9 in the morning, way too early, but I was there. I knock on the door. This kid answers. J.R. Ryder, 6'8 forward, played in the NBA for a bunch of years, played at UNLV, really good player, a little erratic. Um, kid answers. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for JR. He's like, uh, hold on. This woman comes at the door. J.R. Ryder's. Writer's wife or girlfriend. She's like, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, my name's Jeff Perlman and you know, I'm trying to find J.R. Ryder. She's like, uh, hold on one second. She goes back in and I hear this, her talking to a guy. Five minutes later, J.R. Ryder comes to the door, okay? He's six foot eight, big guy, goatee, you know? About my age, a couple years older. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, uh, hey, my name's Jeff Perlman and I have a book. Look, I wrote this book about the USFL, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and he goes, "That's not cool, man." He goes, "That is not cool. You, you do not just walk. You just walk up to my house. You just come to my, you come to my house." He opens the door, comes, comes out. He's like, "You just come to my house." Then he goes, "So what's the book about?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm doing this book about the Lakers." He goes, "I was like Shaq Kobe, right?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, All right, "I'm getting a good vibe from you." Getting a good vibe from me. It's like, I can't talk to you now, but here's my phone number. Hour and a half on the phone with J.R. Ryder. Gold. Was I scared to do it? Yeah, I was scared. <laughs> I mean, who the hell knows? You don't know who's behind the door. But, like, you just sometimes have to force yourself to do it. And, like, people have been doing it for 20, 30 years. We're probably just as timid about it as you guys will be. Yeah, it's, sometimes it never it just, gets easy. What's like your best? What's your money? What's your money story from your career? Not money. Best story you've written. What's the story you tell parties? Do you have like a story? You know I what I mean? I talk about
1: working. Okay, if you had to talk. What's
0: like the most memorable? Give us, what's the most memorable experience from your career? Or one of them? Don't let me down
1: here. Uh, yeah, I, look, I don't know. I, mean, I don't have nothing springing to into mind. What do you like, like? Like that? I can't beat that story. That's a hell of a story. Oh, come on. General what's Ryder?
0: like, have you, have you had a, uh, did any app that just go off on you?
1: Uh, I had Bob Knight yell at me once.
0: That was a coach in Indiana. No. Yeah.
1: What happened him? Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I don't remember what, but he yelled at me and then he called back and apologized. Really? Yeah. Does he do that? I, yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. He's like, and I remember he called and he yelled at me about something. I honestly can't even remember. And I actually had a, used a pretty good relationship with him. Um, and then, and so I'm like, all right, so I'm getting yelled at by Bob Knight, which is kind of funny. I mean, it's like, yeah. kind of like, all right. Guys, yeah, like, Bob Knight's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at me. And then... Uh, then he hangs up and then the phone rings again and he's calling back and I'm like you know I really don't want to listen to this a second time right voicemail and he's yeah. like you know uh, you know, I shouldn't have yelled at you or something like that, that Man, close. That's, gonna... that's pretty awesome so, wow. if you could bronze a message I was like wow would... how about that Bob I right. apologize sort of he
0: didn't right. really apologize but right sort of apologize right I'll take it yeah I'll take it too there's a uh, all right another column here uh, Cleveland's radical mood swing goes from 0 sixteen per oh I just remembered where we are how many people here are Browns fans excited Browns fans. What the hell is going on? That is unbelievable. Gotta you guys be, are to stock media. football. Baker-mania. I mean I grew up a Jet fan now the Jets you know they got right. a bandwagon yeah all right um, so obviously for those of you who, who might not know Odell Beckham is traded to the Cleveland <laughs> Browns in a deal that I guess from the Giants standpoint can't really understand um, you wrote a column and you sort of featured this guy Chris McNeil uh, Fifty months ago, Chris McNeil stood in a single-digit January cold of downtown Cleveland. As thousands arrived for his unlikely tongue-in-cheek football creation, the perfect season parade, designated to celebrate—excuse uh, me, designed to celebrate the Cleveland Browns for their just-completed 0-16 campaign—and then you, you sort of make the piece about this guy and Odell's coming, and everything's turning around in Cleveland. Um, I mean, there were a million ways to approach Odell, this is Odell Beckham trade—million ways to write about it. Uh, How did you decide to do this? And why? Uh,
1: I like writing uh, fan kind of stories. Um, I am not the guy to write. The st- I mean, I can do it because I can ask people, but I'm not going to be the one that's like, "Well, Odell runs, uh, you know, the high the high cross path, uh, you know." You don't sound better. I don't. I don't know. Slight, I, gotta, slight, I don't slight I slight. bother with all that stuff, right? right? So, but there's an emotional moment. I'm big on writing emotion, is what gets people to read or watch in a lot of things. It's it's it, the internet. You know, people used to read the newspaper. They kick back, right? Internet, they're like this. They're forward. They're they're into it. They're staring into something, and um, it's and you have to you, and you have to you're battling for every second of their attention on why why are they bothering with your story opposed to the endless other things they could be doing on their phone. So you're competing against video games, your Facebook, like and let alone other things. They could be reading emails, whatever it is. Um, you you've got to do that. So I'm big on writing emotion. So like, how psyched were all the Browns fans when Odell Beck like when Odell Beckham signed or traded? How jacked were you guys? Like just crazy, right? So there's an emotion there, like these. Nobody people, was
0: like, "We gave up Jabril Pepper?
1: Yeah, it was, pepper. yeah. <laughs> or going, "Boy, I, you know the way he, way he'll fit it." You know, it's like, "Oh my God, the Browns actually did right. something," and the fact that it came 15 months after winless, this guy had a uh, a hearse in downtown. <laughs> they had a parade where they marched in an an enormous zero around the stadium in 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 commemoration of the. Anyone go? You were there. There you go. Good times, right? Oh, you yeah. stood out in the cold. Got drunk and watched it. Yeah, you protest- did not drink. drink. No, um, underage. I'm underage. That would be illegal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <would be. laughs> you were the only sober Brown fan there. <laughs> so it's like you know, victory. Like this amazing. Like you always rebuild. But um, I mean, the Browns were going to win again. But the idea that from oh, from that moment to now, you're stunned, right? You never thought the rebuild would be this quick. Let alone, you're, like, people are talking Super Bowl.
0: He looks like he was very confident in the Cleveland Browns organization. No, he was... No, i just the, kidding. You're right. No, no, no way would be. Yeah, yeah okay. so, it's just, I don't know. So, so, how'd it. you find, like, how'd you find Chris like that? Well, is. I knew they had
1: a parade, because I thought the parade was genius. Okay. I like the zero march. Yep. I like wise asses. And yep. so, um, I just found him uh, on Twitter. Oh, interesting. Then I said, can I call you? And, um,
0: I just, How many of you guys are on Twitter? Smart. You can find anybody now. Oh, my God. It's amazing. The people who just use Twitter to tweet are idiots. Yeah. It's seriously. It is the best. You're like, hmm. It is the best finding people, finding ideas, tracking people down. You can find... Facebook, too. Facebook. I mean, like, it's actually funny. You guys went... It's like when Dan and I were coming up, right? If I was applying for a job, I did. I Coming out of college, I probably applied for 150 jobs. That meant... 150 packets like this, resume, yeah. seven articles, cover letter, with a stack like this to the post office, right? Cost money. You couldn't reach any editors. You couldn't reach any writers. Like, you had to write the letters and you'd never hear back. You guys have this gift. Twitter's a freaking gift. You can anyone. It's insane.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I, the, I think we're on the phone in like 15 minutes. That's amazing. Yeah. Crazy. That's amazing.
0: Um, should they be going into journalism?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, let me take
0: that
1: question. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, what I think is they'll always, there's always storytelling, and always, uh, there's just always storytelling, but you have to adapt to the different ways that you tell stories. And so, there's, you, you have to be able to do, uh, Video. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to write. You have to be able to do the different things. Like I said, there's some there's some stories um, that I've done that are better told as a movie. There's better stories that are told that are better stories told than a documentary. There's some that are better told as a book. They're all different platforms, but they're still the stories. You're still going back to the, the get it right and make me see it. If you do that, it doesn't matter how you're doing it. It could be You know those uh, the 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 serial podcasts and things. Those things are immensely popular. It's all journalism, so it's just a different it's a different thing. I mean, we need accuracy and all that and fairness more than more than ever. But um, it's not a business where you and I never had this in in my career. But maybe a generation before us, where you just you know you get a job at the Columbus Dispatch at 23 and then you retire at, at 70. From the Columbus, from the Columbus Dispatch, the Columbus Dispatch. Yeah. yeah, you're not that doesn't exist. But those jobs don't exist in. But you've been at you Yahoo
0: for 15, 16 years. I have
1: been. That's but, amazing. Yeah, but you know, you know, that Yahoo didn't clear. exist when I came out of. Like you don't know. Which I you, just read on
0: Twitter that you were fired. So,
1: so I could be. That could be it. <laughs> that could global. be it. No, so uh, I don't know. You just have to. I I I I wouldn't necessarily. It's just a different business, but as long as you're telling the stories, I think there's an audience for that stuff. You just have to be able to tell them in different ways.
0: Do you um? You obviously write a lot about college sports um you wrote a book about the bcs like you you've written a lot about college sports and college sports is uh is kind of disgusting like we were just saying before the coaches are disgusting not all of them but a lot of them it's slimy it it kind of drives me crazy to be honest see i like that stuff that's what i was gonna (laughs) is that the fun part yeah why
1: because it's like it's not it doesn't it's not neatly packaged I mean, what's if you don't right about the house? It's not on fire. That's right. Yeah. You know, so the, the all the all the the scandal controversy. Uh, I actually think sp- sports fans like it. Like college, we we had we had a, a college football podcast. We'd always celebrate it. Like I'll say this: I'm a big uh, hockey fan, and growing up, there'd be like a bench clearing brawl, and I'd open up the paper the next day or whatever. The announcers would say this game has been marred by all this. Right by this bench clearing brawl and then i'd run to school the next day and all my friends did you see the bench clearing brawl we'd be so excited for the fight like oh, yeah. i want the fight like that's the that's the most nobody goes to the baseball game oh there was a brawl it was you know i was slugging each... you know that was terrible i wish i had gotten more off-speed pitches and stuff if we got in a
0: fight right now right here we'd be all over this toilet. would be huge yeah it'd, it'd be, be a <laughs> terrible fight <laughs>
1: terrible fight so, so but yeah like i told, i like i love covering ufc and boxing and all these things like yeah they're they're ridiculous and that's the great Floyd Mayweather is totally ridiculous individual right but he's great copy right I, I mean I covered him going to jail I've covered legal pro- I mean you name it that guy was he's always was up to something newsworthy right and it's not really about whether I like approve of him or not who am I like he's a fascinating guy he's a fascinating completely flawed ridiculous character right who nobody could beat right you know so
0: and he'll fight again and he'll he talk all to all you in the fun. middle of his
1: gentleman's club yeah. you know like yeah. hey
0: alright
1: okay. um, I'll take that over some prepackaged Tom Brady or yeah Jeter. or just some guy you're never gonna get to you know it's, so I'm not saying one's better than the other but I like
0: I like all that stuff makes right? yeah. it's interesting it's actually funny too like the people you might think as fans are the most interesting generally are not I had someone say to me today you know you can't just write about offensive linemen he was talking about a project and I was like yeah you can like The offensive linemen are all. When I was at Sports Illustrated, how many of you guys know Tom Verducci? I've mentioned him a lot in my podcast, but he's a baseball writer, Sports Illustrated. I was a young writer. He was an older writer at SI. I would watch Verducci, and he would always – the pack would go to Jeter. Then they would go to A-Rod. Then they go to whoever. He was always with the bullpen catcher or the pitching coach. Like these people who you don't think are fascinating often at times are the most fascinating. And the people who you think are the most fascinating – usually the most polished or they got policy. a detail that yeah you're not going to get from, yeah. the, from the whole thing before we continue with two writers Sling and Yang quick word from our sponsor hey this is Jeff Perlman and I'm here with Victoria my wife's stepsister all the way from England and I just want to say I really consider you close family you do? I do
1: oh okay then I guess that's nice why you don't? My wife's mother married my father, so that makes
0: her my stepsister, and I feel like we're quite close, but I mean, you're just the guy she's had some kids with. We're not blood. I don't even know your middle name. It's Robert. Oh, I always just assumed it was Bob. Bob? Yeah, you sort of look like one. Hmm, what about this? My podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. If you think it'd bring us closer, I'd be happy to hook you up with your very own Houston Arrows t-shirt.
1: Is it well made?
0: Everything at 503 Sports is handcrafted and beautifully done. You can visit 503-sports.com and see for yourself.
1: Oh, you're truly the brother I've never had.
0: Let's go to Cody Park. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. Let's go to Cody Parker. Uh, Bears fans booed <laughs> Cody Parky after heartbreaking field goal miss. His teammates are more humane. How many of you guys watch this game? The Cody Parkey field goal miss? How many of you were Bears fans? Anyone? Rough state. <laughs> when you saw this, did you feel bad for Cody Parkey? Right? How many, raise your hand if you felt bad for Cody Parkey. Look at that, sensitive. All right, so you're at this game. Yeah. Do you feel bad for Cody Parkey when it happens, when you're covering it?
1: I, I can maybe a little, I don't know. I always root for the college kicker. They're never on scholarship. It's always uh, like some, guy. it's always some like nineteen year old from like rural Alabama. His helmet doesn't even fit. And there's right. like Nick Saban's making like forty-seven million dollars over there and he blows the game and his last everyone's shot. mad at the kid. Oh yeah. No,
0: I always no, I, don't, I don't I yeah probably a little bit. But right, so he wrote uh, the field goes straight out of his worst nightmare, had sailed crooked through the night. Defensive lineman Trayvon Hester had tipped it ever so slightly, and perhaps that was enough to cause a horror show to happen. The ball eventually banging off an upright at Soldier Field and bouncing off the crossbar before heading back toward where Cody Parkey had launched it, 43 yards away. Um, you know, this kid is like de- devastated beyond devastated. Not devastated in a Tom Brady losing a Super Bowl, but pretty down. So no, he uh, he handled it pretty well, though. So do you know as soon as this game is over, as soon as he misses, I'm writing about Cody Parkey? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And why is that? Like why? Because he was the central figure of the game. I did not know
1: who I knew who Cody Parkey was a little. I knew they had a kicker um, that had struggled during the year, but he had kicked like three in that game. And the thing about the field goal kicker is like the field goal kicker is only generally out there because the offense failed. It's like, it's like, it's such a bad job, man. Yeah. It's just like, everything else went bad, so now you have to kick this incredibly impossible thing to do. Right. You have to kick the ball through. It's, it's January in Chicago. The weather stinks. like, you're out of the shores of Lake Michigan, and so nobody gets the blame but this guy. Right. Even though if the offense had done their job, they would score a touchdown. Right. Nobody goes, unless it's, you know, the last play of the game, last second thing, but... So yeah, I'd, I knew I'd go right about him. I didn't know how he would react. Would he be uh, defiant? I
0: knew that this would be interesting. And so, you gonna read more of it? I was gonna say, I like, uh, Parky is six foot 190, maybe. So that's good, maybe. Like, this is what I'm talking about, what I love. This is a sentence, it's like, bottom of the first page. Parky is six feet 190, period. And then, maybe, period. This is the kind of thing, like, your English teacher's gonna say, you can't have one word as a sense. One word isn't Maybe a sense. Maybe it's not a sense. Maybe it's not a sense. In fact, I had um, on my podcast a writer named Steve Buckley. Do you know Steve Buckley? Matthew. And he wrote a uh, he wrote this great. My all time favorite story is the story this writer Steve Buckley wrote. And in the story, he used the word "beery," b e r b e e r y, meaning he likes beer, right? And I said to him, I'm like. Is that a word? And he goes, I don't know. Like, that's kind of the coolness of it all. Like, I, I'm totally a fan of that, making up a word if it sounds good. Like, if it kind of projects what you're trying. I'm like, the same thing, like, maybe. It's not a sentence. do not do that. He did look six foot
1: 190.
0: Right, he's six foot 190, maybe. The kicker's head barely reached the middle of the big man's chest, but that didn't matter. The gesture was as gentle and as supportive as possible. That's when uh, his teammate lifted him. Like, so this is an emotion column. Again, emotion. Yeah.
1: The guy blows the game. These other guys get the hell beaten out of them on the field. NFL football games are just unbelievably violent. I'm, not, I'm thinking as much as you going. Of course, they're unbelievably violent. They're even worse than you think. And so you go in these locker rooms. These guys are just the raw marks on them. They're beaten up, and they it's cold, and they've put the whole season. And this guy, Parky misses the field goal yep. and they're at, done all done so now right this is emotion what are the other guy what what happens? so what in there if you read the story they all back them up like not just they're not just saying it either like they're going over and hugging them they're like it's all right we're a team this is a brotherhood all this stuff right so now there's a motion to it power of of the group this is what everybody wants to be a part of uh, no one's blaming. Now, I could have gone in and they all been like like, Parky. Parky sucks. We should have cut him in October. Okay, that's the column. I don't know what the column is, but the way all these guys, and so you have, I mean, Khalil Mack, I mean, these guys are just, these guys are brutes and they're all like sensitive about, well, you know, we Cody feeling too bad about them. You're like, what? Like, that's that, right? But it's a great emotion. And so what I'm always writing at Yahoo too is like, we're not, we're like Walmart. We're not, if you, if you want in-depth coverage, of the x's and o's of the bears game you're not coming to our front page it's 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 people who are there kind of know there's a game some of them are more sports fans than others some are just like well this is this is interesting because it's a it's a universal story and so a lot of these things that i write are kind of universal like that i think
0: you should talk to your bosses and say i have a new slogan for us yahoo like walmart The, I don't know what our slogan is right now. But. I just gave <laughs> it uh, i just that. one more real quick. You have a story, um, the other, the last one here. Families take back ground zero amid sunshine shadows. Uh, not a sports column. Not a sports column. Ten years after 9-11. Um, ten-year anniversary of 9-11. I was actually thinking, why did you even write it? I mean, obviously it's a ten-year anniversary of 9-11, yeah. but why are you... In- I think I was in uh, New York, and so I went and covered the... Thing. I don't know. It seemed like an interesting thing to cover. <laughs> it's an event. Um, sad. It was sad. Some arrived the night before, standing until dawn's early light. Others came in swarms at the end, up from the uh, up from the heavily secured subways to these sad, sacred uh, acres. Some were there to mourn what had been lost. Others came to represent what had been saved. Some came so they uh, could remember what had happened ten years ago. Others to find a bit more closure, so maybe they could, at last, enjoy a measure of relief. They came to the memorial service at Ground Zero. Hear and heard a choir sing. Two presidents speak. And six monuments, six moments of silence passed. Um, I mean, it's hard to write about something where everybody is there. Everyone sees it. It's very emotional. Um, I mean, I don't even, like. I feel like someone saying, "Do a column on 9/11," is like saying, "Do a column about the ocean." You know, like there's like yeah, it could have gone any way. It could have gone any way. So why do you go that way? What do you like? I, like, I, I, obviously I'm big
1: on, like, observational stuff. Uh, so it's not about what, I, so when was that? That was 2011, yeah. so it must have been Ten years. Bush and, and uh, Obama spoke. Yeah. Like it, I, I, I doubt they're quoted. I don't remember the column no, particularly well. Bloomberg. Bloomberg so it's like, quoted. it's Bloomberg yeah. I yeah. quoted, OK. Who knew? Um, what, what was it like? like? What was it like? I had an editor once say, um, you cover something, whatever you cover it, and uh, you, you, you leave it. it. And I used to cover a lot of news, so it'd be like, you go to a city council meeting, you go to 9-11 thing, and you go, uh, you're there that day, and you're driving home, and you call your, your friend, your mom, your, your husband, your wife, whatever, and, and they go, oh, how was it? And you go, oh man. It was incredibly sad. These people were carrying. I think there's a part in there um, where they're like carrying pictures of like people finishing the merit. Like that mm-hmm. sticks with me, right? Yeah. So I still remember that. Like it's this and this, right? You don't sit there and say. So if that's what you, what would you, what when you're writing it and you're and you're doing it, what would, you, what are you gonna say if somebody calls you on the ride home and say, what, what happened? What was it like? And you say, all right, this is what it was like. It was freaking sad. It sucked. It fucking sucked. It wasn't, well, um, President Obama had a very well-prepared remark. I mean, like, that wasn't, I don't remember what any of the presidents said or anybody else that said, but I remember these people and this sadness, and they're all there, and it was like we had to go through security to go back to a bombing site. It was like, just sucked. The whole thing sucked. So, like, try to write that. That's the story of 9-11, 10th anniversary, not... Um, and if you, and, and, it, and it might be well, God, you should have heard the speech that, that, that got given or I met this one person that was fascinating or just do that and you're probably going to be right if, you, if you're sitting there saying "Well, was any of that that you just told your, your, your mom on the phone about what it was like, is that none of that in the story then you
0: just did the story all wrong I'll tell you real quick I, uh, so I'm a New Yorker I was in New York City on 9-11, I lived in New York City on 9-11 we saw the towers on fire. Everything. I only lived a mile away from 9/11, and uh, I was at Sports Illustrated at the time. It's 2001, and the uh, the week after it happened, they decided they were going to do an issue. The editor said, "We're going to do an issue," and I was really pissed off. I was like, "What the fuck does sports have to do with 9/11?" That's preposterous. I'm like, well, let's just find stories. Let's let's make it related. And I was kind of an up-and-coming writer, so you know, I didn't like that they were doing an issue, but I also thought, well, so I started. Uh, a friend if you guys have seen the images everyone was hanging up flyers have you seen, have you seen and they were handing them out and I had a bunch of them and I started Googling the names and there's this one kid I Googled a name his name was Tyler Uglin U-G-O-L-Y-N missing World Trade Center Tower 1 93rd floor and it turned out he was a basketball player at Columbia New York City so I said to my editors I said I'll try finding out about Tyler Uglin uncommon name did a search found in Connecticut, in Ooglin. This is probably four days, maybe three days after 9-11. Talk about nervous calls, right? I call. I go, hi, is this an Ooglin resident? Yeah. Uh, My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a writer for Sports Illustrated. I know this is horrible. I'm doing a story about 9-11. Tyler's, the dad gets on, and he's like, uh, I'm actually kind of shaking telling the story. It's like, really, for me, this is the emotion. He's like, uh, yeah, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I just can't talk about it. I'm like, I totally understand Uh, five minutes later, my phone rings. He goes, is this Sports Illustrated? I'm like, no, but this is Jeff Rupp. He goes, hey, this is Tyler's dad, Victor. Um, what if I just tell you about Tyler? What if I just tell you about him? Would you be okay with that? I don't know if I want you to write anything. I'm like, uh, yeah, of course. So he's talking like 40 minutes. I'm taking notes, but I'm, I don't know if he's going to. And he goes, uh, he goes, all right, you can write something. If you want to write something, you can write something. I wrote this one page thing called Picture This Perfect. And, um. You know, to them, it was like, it remains like this hugely important piece that I ran in Sports Illustrated about their son. And here's a crazy, quick I'm sorry, Story comes out, whatever. Years later, I'm at Penn State reporting on the Jerry Sandusky scandal. And I go to this coffee shop to write, because I like writing in coffee shops, and there are no tables. And I go to another coffee shop, and it's all filled up except for one table. And I sit down, and there's a student at the table. It was about eight years ago. there's a student, Penn State student there. And I go, do you mind if I sit here? And she said, no, have a seat. And we start talking and she's like, uh, I'm like, oh, where are you from? And she's like, Ridgefield, Connecticut. And I said, I said, wow. I said, I'm a, so I'm a journalist. I wrote a story about a guy who died on 9-11 from Ridgefield. And she goes, are you Jeff Perlman? And I go, yeah. She goes, Tyler Ooglin was my boyfriend. Wow. Like chills, you know? And uh, you know, I don't even know the point of that story, except, like, this job takes you in a lot of great... I would say, like, I guess we can take questions. Well, let me say this yeah. about that. Uh, I just told two stories. That was really good. Yeah. Good job. You're carrying
1: the, yeah, carrying the show, by right. the way. I'm, like, no commenting the podcast. <laughs> 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 two, two, one writer, no commenting. Um, not a good podcast. Uh, okay, the people... Remember I said it was, like, it's a people business. Like, he's conveying how... He got the, the dad to to trust them quickly and you have to call people okay I've called I've talked to people dead you know dead kids dead I mean the worst the worst freaking things you can possibly do and you're someone trying to get in the you're you're just in the way or or, or they've been arrested or they've been whatever and you have to be like is one thing I've learned is be like so you, this isn't the movies where you just jam some microphone in someone's face or you 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 know you're holding your phone right um it's like look I know I'm the last person you want to talk to right now but all anybody knows about your daughter is she's a murder victim right now and I wanna just tell and when you're comfortable with try to be a human not a you got this is a human business or your son just has been accused of this, and I'm just trying to be fair. And if you just want to, you know, and, and you have to convey and put yourself. It's part of a, um, be accurate but be fair. Be fair to people, you know, because it's it's too easy to just be like, you know, I, the Sandusky, like the Sandusky family I try to talk to, or, you know, I covered Aaron Hernandez. I mean, some despicable people, but you got, like, well, that's his wife. I, you know, I don't know. Like, right. you got to be. You can't just be crushing, and so if some whatever you did was enough that you didn't get it, you hang up and go, "Oh, that was a good try." Calls back, or they come back a week later, they come back a year later, or whatever it is, and you just at least try to treat people with respect. Because if you're if you're really doing this, you're going to put yourself in the absolute worst spots, and you're dealing like I said, you're dealing with people under tumult, emotion, disaster. You're not interviewing people on their just normal day. That's they don't that doesn't happen. It's either their best day or their worst day. And you gotta figure out how to
0: connect with them. Also just basic human empathy. Yeah. Like you can interview just human empathy. Like you have to be empathetic in this job, I think. Right. You have to be. You, even you J.R. can't be. A liked dick. It. Even JR liked you. Yeah, even JR Ryder, Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't punch me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Do you want to take a question? I mean yeah, probably a, a good, good idea. idea. Yeah. Anyone have any questions? Yeah, does anybody have any questions? i got a question. Oh, go ahead, actually. <laughs> So I think sometimes our students, uh, are, are, they tend to want to send their questions by email. Okay, yeah. i have got a few questions. Yeah. Do you guys do that ever, or, or do you say, no, I've got to talk to you on the phone?
1: Both. Um, pref- much, much preferred to speak to the person every time. Yeah. Um, understanding that sometimes that's just not going to happen. Um, but if it's a any kind of a question... And there are some questions maybe that aren't. You're trying to get basic. You know they're just not that important maybe. Um, but I would, I would call. And the thing about talking to someone is it leads to, to email they'll answer just the email question. Um, calling can go in all different directions. You find out all sorts of different stuff. You get it's just so much more valuable. So I won't say I never do it, um, but. Um, it's, be, it's better for, like, a fact check more than a, uh, than any kind of an interview.
0: The one thing I will say that's good now that you guys have that I really like is instead of cold calling someone and just out of the blue being like, hey, this is Jeff Romova, I like the DMing first. Like, I actually like that. Yeah, you as text a, them and know the call's coming. Like, heads up, I'm coming, I'm calling you. You know, like, it's just kind of a nice, don't you think? Like Yeah, man, I polite, like a little more polite. Yeah, yeah totally. So. Oh, it's motion. Yeah, it was actually. You know, it was really interesting. So basically, the Yankees. It was two thousand one. The Yankees made the World Series. The whole narrative, which drove me crazy, by the way, is like baseball is saving New York, or like right. it was the biggest bullshit narrative of all time. Like the World Trade Center does not exist anymore. Baseball is not saving us. It's a nice when people are like, we need baseball more than ever. Really, I, you know, like these people died. There's no. Um, the, great, the, great, the two greatest moments I've ever witnessed in baseball, I will say, that being said. Number one, and I'm, I'm a pretty liberal guy. When George Bush walked to the mound and threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium from the rubber, badass. Like, it, was like, it was like a moment of like, yeah, you know, like it was insane. And the other one was the Braves were playing the Mets, the first game in New York after 9-11. And Mike Piazza hit a home run to win the game. Oh, and the best moment in that game, seventh-inning stretch. There's a singer, Liza Minnelli. Anyone know Liza Minnelli? She stood on the field. Anyone know? And she sang New York, New York. And she did a conga line with the police officers on the field while I was singing New York, New York. Insane. Like, insane. In, like, magical. When they lost, it was disappointing. But it wasn't like – first of all, it didn't happen in New York. The seventh – they lost in Arizona – it was disappointing, but I feel like people had bigger things to worry about overall. So it wasn't like the city was devastated by the loss, you know. Anyway, yeah, that's a good question though.
1: Okay, I'm going to be selfish and ask a question, and then I'll go to him to see something after a while. Dan, um, you like to write the emotion narrative more than anything. Uh, when do you know that you're writing something that's uh, more emotion? that's not cliche, and when do you realize that an emotion is cliche when you're into a story? That's a good question. Yeah, probably probably fail on that. <laughs> um, I think when it's it's just I think if you report something out then it's um, it, it's not necessary. I, I don't write it all the time. Um, I mean like you just don't. You just don't know what it's going to set up. But if there's like a, maybe it's not even always emotion. It's just theme. But I think if you report it out, then and it's genuine, then it's is it's genuine. It's just that's what it is. It's like this is how he felt. Um, and I think if it's if you have the facts, hopefully it, it gets there. It's not just like woke, like mopey emotion. It's just it, it like connects to a reader. They want to they want to have what they believe affirmed or they want some principal value affirmed or they want something they dislike to be untrue and so when when those kind of things sprout up you can really connect to an audience with stuff that doesn't necessarily seem like you know the bears kicker misses the kick but this is what this is what the story was and so um, I don't know I probably fail at that though a lot
0: What's you uh, know? There's certain words that are show. You're saying like show words versus tell words. Well, I think like
1: show show like if you did this Tom Brady thing, like the towels over his head, right? He's staring at his at his cleats. That conveys. If I tell you he's depressed. I can just say Tom Brady was depressed or Tom Brady was upset. That conveys it. That shows nobody sits like that. Um, I think there was something else where like he tugged on his tape, and I don't know. So I think that's. I, I think it's just being descriptive and being very. Um, you know, I've seen it with like you know, you say okay, so and so's nervous, and then there's like somebody like, you know, you showing them the guys fumbling with his thing or whatever it is, just. Write what you see. You know, you're there to be a reporter, and no matter what level of writer or video producer or or screenwriter or whatever you're trying to do, whatever level you get to, you're still there to like report or convey what. I guess screenwriting, not quite, but there's there's a lot of similarities. But you're trying to just convey it. Like if you ever read a, a Hollywood screenplay, like. Half of it is, there's half of it's dialogue, and the other half is everything else. And so, it, you know, and, and it's a, the whole, the whole screenplay is only like 20,000 words, and there might only be 10,000 words of dialogue, or even less probably, I don't even know. And so it's, it's, it's super quick on the number of actual spoken words, but you have to convey everything else. And so it's the same thing, you just wanna show it, not just say, well this is, like no, you know, yeah.
0: sh- show me that emotion. Go through your stories, when you're done with the story, take every adjective and go, shh, 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 and just cross them out, and where you have like he was doing something this way or that way, and show, instead of just using one word, actually show. Then you won't even need the adjectives, you know? His stories are like, almost, they're very adjective-like. You know, you just don't, you don't need them. T, I'm talking. Jeff, so on
1: podcasting, have you ever put out an episode that you didn't
0: like, and why? Yes. Here's a problem when you have a podcast. So I, you know, I produce myself, myself, blah blah blah. Like, have you? Do you have a podcast? You do not. You do? Yeah. Here's a problem, Like, I have a guest every week. It's always a writer. Sometimes it's mostly been great, but every now and then you have someone who kind of is boring or not that interested. It just doesn't talk that much. But what am I going to do? Like, I took an hour of their time. I feel kind of guilty. Like, <laughs> just being like, yeah. So the tape didn't work out. I don't, you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> Um, I have had a couple where I was recording it, and the recording apparatus didn't work midway through, and I'm I might have been mildly relieved. I'm not uh, so, you know. But I mean, what can you? I don't know. Like I'm not. I just do it out of a passion. How's project. it going tonight? I think it's yeah, going well, right. actually. No, I think it does. <laughs> yeah. So it happens. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, sorry? I just want to say real quick. Like you guys have no excuse. I hate to say it's not to have a po- I, I have a podcast every week cost me zero dollars and zero cents to do right you want to go into journalism you have all these freaking tools at your disposal if you don't have a website it doesn't make any sense if you don't have a podcast it doesn't make any sense if you don't have a social media presence it doesn't make any sense employers are gonna look at all this stuff all of it so to not have it is just putting you behind other people who do have it you know and it's easy make your podcast about left-handed punters make your podcast about uh Jade, Olivia Jade, you know, like make it whatever, make it, you know, like, that'd be kind of fun, actually, I'd listen to that, <laughs> Olivia Jade podcast. This is for you, Jeff, and Daniel, i going to as well. Uh, you're invited. pretty it. vocal on Twitter, with the criticism of the president. Yeah. It um, actually feels I feel a lot, it's like it's entertaining and charming, but we're often told here in the journalism school that we can't really have a going Yeah. shouldn't make a voice because it's a conflict of interest. So that's saying you're
1: wrong
0: or wrong, wrong. a <laughs> yeah. sports you feel like how much politics influence sports or- that's a great question that's like, a great question it's an excellent question okay first of all i'm independent i don't work for anybody right i don't work for espn i don't work for the athletic like i was contributing stuff i don't work for anyone like jamel hill whatever you think about it jamel's a friend of mine like when jamel was tweeting she was she was an employee of the espn so ESPN is saying, well, we don't really feel comfortable with you doing this. Now, you know, I don't know how I feel about that, one way or another. Um, but I don't work for anyone, right? I feel I, I, this is not a political dialogue. I don't like, for me personally, it is important in these times to express how I feel. That being said, if I were 22 years old and coming out of Ohio University and trying to get a job in journalism, I would not be doing it it just does not make sense for you guys because you don't know who you're going to interview with when you're coming out of college and your next boss might be the biggest Trump supporter in the world or the biggest Obama supporter in the world and it's just not worth it from your perspective to do it, in my opinion. Unless you definitely want to go into politics, it's just not a great idea, you know? So I do it because I'm 46 and I don't really feel like I have that much to lose, you know? If I were you guys, I wouldn't do it. I'm sure you don't do
1: it, right? No, I never never do politics. Um, I do... I work for the man, still have a job, so um, there's that. There's also just, I mean, that's that's a big part of it, although they've never said, never really said anything about it, but I, I mean, I, I, have, mi- I have mixed feelings on this, because some of it is just, uh, I guess, uh, there's a, if, if, if you're affected by things that are going on in the world in a more, personal manner than, than I am I'm older I got you know like you, I can see where it's like this is you're, you're attacking me not just this is the news so I got to get why people uh, respond but I kind of always look at it like I have a job um, the readers are customers uh, I've never had one person email me uh, hit me up on social media anything and say hey I was really wondering what you thought of the president's speech last night or who should I vote for? I was really looking, seeking your wisdom on this, so. Someone should tweet at him right now. Yeah, send it out. out Um, So, I don't do it. They're all customers. Um, You know, you don't really expect, like, you know, the guy at the Burger King, the Burger King sign up front to say,
0: something political right. you just this is where you get hamburgers you know the famous michael jordan line when he was asked why he didn't endorse a democrat he said republicans buy shoes too yeah
1: it's it's I mean, it's kind of a cop-out i'm not yeah, saying cop, i'm, not saying out I'm out proud of my position but this is no, what i get it, I get yeah. it. Yeah. I
0: get it.
1: I think you can use it as a reporting tool and not be active on it in commenting um, or Twitter can be a decent news feed. Um, It's a a really good news feed, and you can tailor it where you're just getting that. You don't have to post. I mean, you can promote yourself through social media. Like your guest... um, you had Wright Thompson a couple weeks ago. He's not on social media. Sally Jenkins, of the Washington Post, incredible, not on social media. A lot of people don't want that, um, so I think you're fine. I, you, I, I have like I have a face. I, I never go on Facebook, but I have Facebook because it's a way to connect. You can find somebody if you need to report. I have LinkedIn. LinkedIn to me is the dumbest one of them all oh, yeah, no, no. I don't even understand what LinkedIn all it's these very important wanted, all these I, I don't know everybody wants to be on LinkedIn, but you can find people on LinkedIn so I have an account I don't even know if I've ever put anything up on LinkedIn. Um, so I think you need it as a tool, but I don't think you have to be on there all the time and and so much of it is just like over you know it's it's a it's a time drain it's
0: depressing it's I, I'm just going to disagree with you on one thing, with all due respect. Yeah. I hate to say it. I feel like when you're going to apply for jobs these days, it does give you a boost if you have a social media presence and if you have a, lot, a decent number of followers on Twitter. I just think a lot of these places now are going to be like, oh, well, it, this it guy... It can help. That, that, that is true. But if you're not into it... Well, let's say you want to cover Ohio University football. You're applying for a job at The Athletic. You'll be covering Ohio sports. If I'm hiring... And this guy who went to Ohio University, or this woman who went to Ohio University has 15,000 Twitter followers from her day covering whatever at the college newspaper, and they're Ohio-based. And this other guy, no offense, has no Twitter presence, and he's wearing a Skull t-shirt. I'm going to go with, no, search <laughs> school. I'm going to go with, I am, I'm going to, if I'm hiring nowadays, I know it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. But I, I think I disagree on that one. No offense. Want we'll to fight? You got a lot of <laughs> I got a lot of Twitter followers.
1: My followers come after you. Hey Jeff, I just want to ask, you about, can you get to the mystery about Sportsby uh, Sports by Brooks? And if not, can you ask why Ah, to now you're it. gonna know comment I don't know it. Now not. you're gonna know comment Alright,
0: I read. who knows anyone know who Sports by Brooks is? See, it's, a, it's such a fringe. Tell them, you know a, tell them after. I'll just tell you real quick. Sports by Brooks was this website it existed. It was a big sports website. Then the guy vanished. I was assigned by... by literally vehicle. vanished. I knew this guy.
1: I, I used to talk to him on the phone all the time. Yeah. And then he literally vanished. Would not take phone calls, text, anything. It was like right. crazy. Weird. It was I'm like, where are you? And you're, you can see that you're getting the text. I'm like, you're alive. Can you just... Like, I don't have a fight. Like We're friends. Right. Like, just... Vanish. Gone. Monday so I'm like, could you please just text back and say you're alive? Because I, mean, I can tell you read the damn thing. I never went to that
0: site. But then, uh, so Bleacher Report a it's bunch of years ago. Out, yeah, he's back. Bleacher Report asked me to do a piece on the mystery of what happened to Brooks, which obviously you know. And uh, so I did it. I did this deep, 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 deep dive into Brooks. I spent months trying to find Brooks. I mean, it was one of hard... I, re- I ended up writing this 10,000-word story about Brooks. And I handed it in. I kind of knew what happened to him, and my editor decided not to run it. Uh, not because of the story, he said, because there was like this idea, it kind of involved elements of mental illness, and we just talked about potential mental illness, and we just talked about it, and the, the general take, and his name was uh, Matt Sullivan at Bleacher Report, I think he was right, he's like, if this is what it is, it's not really fair to quote unquote sort of out this guy, you know? Um, and that's what happened, the story never ended. And I've been tempted, believe me, he returned. I was kind of tempted. I just, I deleted it for my life. Well, yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. But I'll sell it to you he's for 10,000 bucks. <laughs> you would only. You. Now he's back. You could go fund me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. That's uh, it. Jeff? Right. You got anyone? All right. Oh, That's awesome. there's a hand. Who do you guys like to read? Oh, great. Read ah. Who reads anymore? <laughs>
1: That's a good question. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, I don't, the way it comes at you now, like, I don't know if there, there's so many, like, great content to just come from anywhere. Uh, I don't, like, I don't know if I seek out, like, I really enjoy, like, Ray Thompson or something like that in sports, but. You can get incredi- You can get college newspapers can put out great stuff. You can get, I mean, small papers, big magazines. Um, it's you know, I don't know. You know how it just kind of like sometimes content finds you and you read it or you you know. So I don't know if I have like a list I go seeking out uh, as much as there's so much there's so much great sports writing uh, and news writing. I'm not very. I don't really like politics. I really don't like politics but i do love um sometimes like political writing where they're at when they're following the guys and the 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 women in the like some diner in iowa or something like there's some great story i love the storytelling of some of that stuff even though i'm not into into the political stuff
0: i just want to i read the washington post every day new york times every day i feel like the work they've they've been doing is insane The political i'm a big political reader i'm really really good Sports Illustrated, I don't care if you, it's still a great magazine. They still have a lot of great writers. John Wertheim, Steve Rush. So, you know, one thing I'll tell you, there's great writing out there now. Like, the writing is, there's still a lot of great writing. And your student newspaper, by the way, is killer. It's really really good. good, like, really good. You guys are one of you guys are. I don't know if you know this. You have one of the best college journalism programs in the country, for my money. Like, just great. Like so. all student newspapers. I mean, it's you know, there's a there's a ceiling there. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's you're really right at the good. ceiling. Like it's I, really, good. really good. I, do, you know I
1: good. good. I do. You know what magazine I get is uh, Texas Monthly. Oh yeah, always oh, good. Texas Monthly, good. That's yep. a good magazine. Oh. Uh,
0: Doctor Store has one more question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. So when do you decide to write a book, like that kind of a project? How does that come to you? Like, this needs
1: to be a book. Well, let me do mine first, because yours yep. are more involved. So, mine are generally if I'm covering the books I've written. Oh, I'm writing middle school books now, but they're books for middle schoolers. Um, uh, but when I want to write a book, it's when I have a topic or something I'm covering that is like needs to be put all together. But I, I, I write them like stuff that I've personally. Done, you know, first first generation reporting on um, or big project. It's my idea and all that. Jeff has a whole different thing, so it, it could be like you know, if you've covered something, um, I ended up, we ended up not doing this, but we we're going to do a big Aaron Hernandez book. We ended up going to do a documentary. It's better as a documentary, but like covered all of Aaron Hernandez and you put all that all that information together. It's a great story, it's, and so you, how how are the different ways you tell it? But that but that's how so that that's one way to do a book and then there's Jeff's way which to me is insane I don't know what my way I just you,
0: I you just, pick stuff that already happened you yeah I'm big in the nostalgia it. so I'm really big in the nostalgia like I'm, which including readers are that's what publishers want yeah I mean I just think the thing I've learned like my books have sold pretty well but it's not because of me it's like the ideas are idea. like I'm not writing a book about the 1987 Cleveland Browns like I'm writing a book now about the Shaq Kobe Lakers there's an audience for the Shaq Kobe Lakers there's an audience for Walter Payton. It doesn't mean they'll sell, it's not a guarantee, but I feel like this is how I make a living, I gotta put myself in a position. And the beautiful thing about it all is like, no matter who you're writing about, there's always interesting people. Everyone has a story, everyone in this room has a story, you just gotta find it. So like, sports is just as prism, but it's really just about the people and digging deep, you know, so, I don't know. Well, uh, we wanna thank
1: Jeff and Dan
0: by giving them a small gift. Thanks for coming. Is this a alcohol fifty cents? No, no, not alcohol. (laughs) I want to thank today's guest, Dan Wetzel, for joining me on Two Riders, Sling and Yang. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Wetzel and read his work at Yahoo. I also want to thank Ohio University for hosting us and give props to one of America's best journalism programs. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. You can visit the website at 503-sports.com. One can listen to Two Riders, Sling and Yang on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, and your views are always appreciated. Music is by the dazzling MC Whiteout. Thanks again for joining And remember, keep riding.